You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we have a series preview, Mets versus Braves in the first segment. Sort of detail the Braves season up to this point and what they have in store for the Mets. Second segment, we'll get into the pitching matchups and... Whew. Ugly, 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 ugly for what the Mets are about to face up against. Uh, then the final segment, a little Friday Farm Report, a couple pitchers in double A I want to discuss. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing, just baseball.com, where I work as a managing editor. Now, today I am going to be previewing the series between the Mets and the Braves. Typically, though, First segment, we would talk about what happened last night, Mets versus Nationals. Problem, I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Let me explain. Over the weekend, I'm actually getting married. So, a little tough for me to record a show on Friday where there's a rehearsal, a lot of stuff going on, or record something on Thursday night when I have a bachelor party. So, I'm trying to, to get out ahead of a Mets versus Braves series preview because this is the most exciting series of the season. But, all I have... To give you is everything up to Wednesday. Okay, so currently the Braves are at 16 and 8, two games up the Mets who are 14 and 10. But I do think that the kind of buzz around the teams is a little bit interesting just considering the circumstances and how it feels like everyone's saying, hey, the Braves are just, you know, going to be this machine that runs away with the division, and people will then point to, Oh, well, the Mets record, you know, that's on the the back of bad teams. Everyone's good record in baseball is on the back of bad teams. So I just want to start by going through what the Braves have done this season to really put it into perspective. First series of the season, they open up against the Nationals, take two or three. Then they sweep the Cardinals. At the time, everyone just on cloud nine about them sweeping the Cardinals. In retrospect, the Cardinals are a team that has a lot to figure out right now and has really struggled Beyond that, okay? Then they lose a four-game series to the Padres. Then they reel off eight in a row. They sweep the Reds. They sweep the Royals. They take the first two in their follow-up series against the Padres, a team who had just beat them up, okay? So they're getting a little bit bit of redemption. They lose the final game there. Then they get swept by Houston. So the two teams that you could even call good teams they've faced this year, the Padres, they went what? I guess they won three and lost. Here we go with math again. People on who listened to yesterday's show saw me struggle already with that. Uh, yeah, they won three and they lost four, okay, in, in seven games against the Padres. Got swept by Houston. Now <clears throat> they're beating up on the Marlins. They won the first two games of their four-game set. I'm not taking anything away from what the Braves have done and the fact that they're a great baseball team. But I do think it's interesting how people will point towards the Mets and who they played, and no one acknowledges that the Braves do the same thing. You beat up on the bad teams, and you have to go out and win series against the good teams. So far, you know, they've won some series against good teams, and they've also lost 
two of the three, I guess you would say, series against good teams. The Mets, they beat the Dodgers. They've had some good series. So, look, I, I think these teams are pretty even, but I also think at the same time the Mets are really going through it right now in a way that the Braves are not. Yes, you could say they don't have Michael Harris, but you know, their rotation has been in better shape. Maybe you like their depth more than the Mets, but it seems like their rotation, even though you know you lose a Soroka, everything else, you've had Strider, you've had Morton right there. That's two established starters, and the Mets have been struggling to find established starters taking turns every fifth day, and they got freed back. So this Braves team, in my opinion, has not gone through the same adversity as the Mets have, and currently, as I record this on Wednesday, they're only two games up. So... I still believe these two teams are very closely matched, and if they both get to full strength, it will be a battle all year long, and one series at the end of April is not going to determine the division. But at this moment right now, it does determine maybe in the quarter mark of the season or that that first maybe fifth of the season, however you want to break it down, who is leading the charge in this division. And unfortunately for the Mets, as we're going to get to with the pitching matchups in the next segment, things aren't going to break in their favor when it comes to who is available to pitch these games. But I want to look at the overall scope of the Braves season, who's performing well, get you prepared for all that. So Ozzie Albies is back in full force, seven home runs. Sean Murphy, unbelievable start to his Braves career. OPS over a thousand as I recorded this today. Him and Matt Olson both have six home runs. Austin Riley has five. Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting 364. Here's the shocker, and this could only be greater by the time he plays the Mets. 13 stolen bases to lead the league, 21 runs scored. He is tied with Brandon Nemo for the league lead, and Fangrass wins above replacement at 1.7 upon this recording. He is grading as an above-average defender. Again, he is impacting the game on the bases, of course, with those ridiculous stolen base totals, and he's hitting the cover off the ball. Hasn't even really gotten to his home run swing yet, so Cunha all the way back. They're getting great production out of Sam Hilliard in center field. Where'd that come from? 992 OPS. Here's where they've had some issues. A revolving door at left field. Um, they're still trying to put Ozuna in the lineup for some reason. Orlando Arcia has been on the IL, so that's become more of a revolving door at shortstop. And Michael Harris has been out, but he is on rehab assignment. For all I know, based on Braves, Mets, all that type of hype, maybe at the end of this series, Michael Harris is coming out of nowhere to join the team. I don't know. I'd hope that you miss Harris in this one. Team stats. The Braves are third in the MLB right now in the MLB. Jeez. In Major League Baseball, <laughs> with 38 home runs compared to the Mets at 26. Uh, they're fifth in on-base percentage, fourth in weighted runs created plus, and they've scored 124 runs where the Mets have scored 112. The Mets are, are nowhere near as high in any of those categories, um, particularly, as I already mentioned, the home runs. The bullpen. The Mets have a slight edge. 3.25 ERA, 7th best in baseball. Braves, 3.80 ERA, 16th best. But we get to the starting rotation. Here's where I'm really concerned for your New York Mets this weekend. Braves rotation, 3.05 ERA, 3rd best in baseball. Mets, 4.90, 21st in baseball. The Braves are rolling with a lot of really good starting pitchers. And based on earned run average... You're going to get almost two less runs allowed per nine from their starters compared to the Mets starters throughout a long series, a four-game set. That could come back to really bite the Mets, and you're not going to see a starting pitcher in this series that you trust 
until Scherzer takes the hill, potentially on Monday. We're going to go through the pitching matchups in just a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of your sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. If you're in the New York area, why not watch Mets Braves, right? Go check it out. Get some tickets. Uh, there's killer deals on last-minute tickets. So, hey, if someone is looking at you know Spencer Strider about to face off against Tyler McGill and says the Mets have no chance and that fan is a coward and they sell their tickets, guess what? You can get a great deal and go watch the Mets shock the world. This is what you got to do to get into the stadium. Uh, the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section or row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason where you can get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, you're all set, and you won't have to dig through your email. The tickets will be sent directly to your phone. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code Locked On MLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk pitching matchups, which is where things get really scary for the New York Mets in this series. Game one, Max Fried versus David Peterson. Who you got? Max Fried, you can make an argument, is maybe the best left-handed starting pitcher in baseball. David Peterson is far from that, particularly this season. He has just had an awful run of it. And now, as a left-handed pitcher that we saw last game was leaving a lot of pitches over the heart of the plate, go up against... You know, Austin Riley, go up against Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olson, Sean Murphy. See how that ends for you. I don't love it. And Freed, you know, he had a hamstring injury, so he got pulled from the you know season opener for a hamstring, was out for a couple weeks. He's come back on April 17th, and in his two starts since, he has not a lot of run over 11 and two-thirds. First time out, five scoreless against the Padres. Then he nearly goes seven scoreless against the Houston Astros. I know the Astros haven't been themselves this year, but this was in a series where the Astros swept, where they scored five runs in the final two innings when Freed was not on the mound. So it's not like that lineup can't hit. He was great in his two outings coming back, and there's every reason to believe he'll be great against this Mets team as well. I uh, do wonder what lineup do you see? against Max Freed. Um, I do think that even though um, this is a lefty that you would want to get Alvarez as bad in the lineup against because it's a lefty, I also think that he could expose Alvarez, as do I think about the second matchup in Spencer Strider, which is where you just look at these two games and you look at a young Mets lineup from some of these guys, You know, if you're expecting a, a Beatty or an Alvarez to give you a lift, it's not a good matchup with these two pitchers to do that. These are guys that are, are going to be able to rack up some strikeouts and kind of navigate and pick their spots to you know get around the hot hitters, to get around the Alonzos, the Lindors, the McNeils, the Nimos. Um, you know, Starling Marte right now has been struggling. That's a guy that they can pick on a little bit, try to get it out, and then you try to get around that Lindor-Alonzo uh, section of the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see how this Mets lineup responds to facing the best that the Braves have to offer to start this series. Because if Freed and Strider do what they're supposed to against David Peterson and Tyler McGill, the Mets will be in a 2-0 hole. 
And then you're hoping that Jose Budo gets you back in the series against Charlie Morton before you finally get Scherzer back. I mean, you're talking about the series of the season, and you're rolling out David Peterson, Tyler McGill, and Jose Budo is what it's likely slated to be. That's a tough road to hoe. That is that is difficult to expect your team to go out and to perform under those circumstances. And basically what you're hoping for is that you can get through five with a Peterson or a Miguel or a Budo for that matter and get an early lead and then win in the bullpen game. Because that, that's the thing. You know, if you get to, you know, 2-2 two, two game, six inning, I, I think the Mets have just as good of a chance as, as anyone to win those types of games because their bullpen's good and I think their lineup can score timely runs. But it's going to take a complete team effort. And, and honestly, this is one of those series where it's, you know, show me what you're made of, right? Go out there and, and kind of shock the world a little bit because I think if you really just look at the matchups, there is not a reason in the world the Mets should win this series. Because even, look, Jose Budo, you you say, oh, he's got a 279 ERA, he's done well. His fielding independent pitching this year is 7.15. That's what happens when you walk 10 batters in nine and two-thirds. If he's walking the world against the Braves, he better get some of the luckiest double play ball breaks that you can imagine to navigate that. It's it's not easy. And then Bryce Elder, who's pitching in the final game this year, has a 1.14 ERA. He's been great dating back to last year with the Braves, 2.55 ERA. A young pitcher who's been awesome. Scherzer coming off the IL, I think that's going to be big. He might come out like a bat out of hell. If the Mets can win one of those first three games, I feel good that Scherzer can deliver a series split. And, you know, let's just hope, as again, I'm recording this on Wednesday, the Mets took care of business against Washington. 1-2. Maybe the Braves lost the game against the Marlins. And then you tell me that they split this, and you're going to feel pretty decent about where the Mets are. But the more I look at these matchups... The Mets are in trouble here. I, I, one last stat I had, this is actually going back to the second start that I forgot to mention. For one, Spencer Strider, nastiest pitcher in baseball right now. He's got a better strikeout per nine than Jacob DeGrom, 14.70. ERA of 1.80. Record, not that we care about that anymore, but 3-0 record. So he's yet to lose a start. Spencer Strider has a 0.83 whip. That's walks, hits, over innings pitched. Tyler McGill has a 1.48 whip. So... Not quite double, but almost veering there. Strider giving up less than a runner per inning. McGill giving up a runner and a half. 3.96 ERA for McGill. Man, these matchups are are scary. They're scary. So uh, we will see exactly how this breaks out. I'll tell you, um, I made a, a slight error in judgment scheduling my wedding for uh, Braves Mets. <laughs> Didn't think that one through, but hey, this might be a series that I'm happy to tune out on, Uh, although I will uh, be giving you a podcast on the honeymoon. That's right. I will be doing that uh, to break down Mets Braves and what whatever this series had in store. I'll give you a series recap audio only, of course, um, and then I'll probably take a little break and give you a series recap of, of Mets Tigers next week as well when I come back from the honeymoon. Uh, and then you'll be back to your regularly, regularly scheduled programming, um, you know, soon as the following week. But uh, Mets Braves preview, there it is. I still have one more segment for you. It is a Friday. Those are good times for farm reports. And I want to break down a couple of pitchers in Double A who I actually think 
could make an impact this season. We're going to get to them in just a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM, the mobile game that allows you to take over a franchise and lead your team to glory. You'll manage every strategic aspect of your team from you know, hiring the coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing difficult personalities, and navigating your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of a season. All of this. In a challenging and realistic game world, Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline, so you can play on the go as you want, when you want. Once downloaded, you don't need Wi-Fi to play. It's all there for you in app play, so you can play on the go. Locked On Mets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store, so make sure you check it out. To download the game, visit ProBaseballGM.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's ProBaseballGM.com. Check out the Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, little Friday farm report. There is two starters in double right now that I think have a chance to contribute to the Mets this season. Uh, if not beyond that, guys that really do lengthen your overall depth of the roster. The Mets have needed that talent in the upper levels in the minors, and they got it right now with Mike Vassell and Dominic Hamill. Vassell is the guy that's actually really interesting to me. Drafted eighth round in 2021 out of the University of Virginia. Uh, got a little bit of a stint uh, in rookie ball, but then pitched 37 innings to start the year in low A last year at a 2.19 ERA and 39 strikeouts and 37 innings pitch. Goes to high A, and the ERA was bad, and that had me leave him off my top 10 uh, just because his performance you know, facing hitters that were you know, around his age, if not younger, in high A, he pitched to a 5.67 ERA. What I failed to neglect or what I neglected to acknowledge. I would say, is the strikeouts, though. Went from 9.5 strikeouts per 9 in low A to 11.9 in high A. Then the Mets placed him in the Arizona Fall League. And his stuff played there. 2.93 ERA, 18 strikeouts, and 15 and a third. Now this season, 11 innings of double A, he's got 20 strikeouts in just 11 innings pitch. He's only walked one batter. That's an incredible strikeout to walk rate. And that just shows you that his stuff is really good, despite the fact that the ERA is a little over four. I'm not really worried about that. I'm looking at a guy that's got stuff that is really nasty that hitters are really struggling to hit. You know, he was able to get whiff rates last year. This is according to Baseball America in their scouting report of him of 25% or better on all four of his pitches. So, you know, no pitch they say is graded out as plus, but, you know, he can use them to, to good effect. And this year, maybe he's tapping into a little bit more. Last year, fastball sat in 94, topped out in 98. Uh, you know, and he's now been, you know, with the Mets and their own little pitching lab trying to adjust those pitches, shape them, work them in a way that, that makes him more effective. You know, he's got a, a good curveball. He's got a slider. And if each of these pitches, and as well as his cutter, kind of tick up a notch, um, even they, they're talking about a change-up here, he's got an eclectic mix of pitches that he can use that could allow him to you know, be successful as a starting pitcher or even end up in a bullpen role at some point. Can you imagine this season where the Mets maybe are looking for some long man help and this guy continues to strike out the world and they say, you know what, let's get a guy that can go up and can strike out you know, six batters when he faces a lineup. Okay, and they just say, all right, we're going to hand him the ball. Let's just say your, your starting pitcher 
uh, is walking the world and you have a game where the Mets are sitting at, you know, down 5-3 and they need a pitcher to come in in the fifth inning. Well, this guy might be able to bridge the gap from the fifth to the eighth, strike out a bunch of batters and go through a lineup one time. That is something that could really help the Mets this year. Now, the other guy that they have, which I think really does project as long-term depth in this rotation, is Dominic Hamill. Because he seems to be a guy that just knows how to pitch, knows how to how to just find his way through and navigate when things aren't going well. And that's, I, I think, the thing to me that has been most impressive about his season is that he's sitting at a 1.59 ERA. He has 12 strikeouts and 11 and a third innings pitch. He has 11 walks though. So not to say I like the fact that he's walking that many batters, but to walk that many batters and keep the ERA under two. That is a testament to being able to throw pitches in difficult situations. And I don't expect those walks to remain as ridiculous as they've been. Last year, 3-2-5 ERA across 119 innings pitch. Again, why I said I like him as long-term rotational depth is the fact that he got to 119 innings last year in low A and high A. I mean, that is a workhorse you know, in the minor leagues, I would say. You know, when you're at that stage of your development. If he goes up this year... And let's say he can move the benchmark on that and get up to 140, 150 innings pitched even. All of a sudden, you have a stretched out guy that come 2024 might be able to be even a better version of what you're getting with Jose Budo right now, who can be that 4A starter back and forth. And if he ends up proving to be better, uh, for one, you might see him at the end of this season. But more importantly, there's a chance that he's a guy that could crack a rotation next year. So, to have these guys that are just options in the minor leagues when the Mets have really struggled to produce, you know, top end starting pitching, or not even top end, just depth of starting pitching, really. I'm not saying either of these guys is going to be an ace, and that still is a problem. That's why Blade Tidwell is such an important prospect in the Mets farm system because they've struggled to produce that front line guy. But give me some fours and fives that can hold up. You know, they've gotten Peterson and McGill up to the big leagues recently, but that's been kind of all to show from the last you know, four or five years. Let's get some more guys in the mix, you know, and and I think these are a couple where you can watch them for the rest of this season and know that in the future, the Mets have uh, some depth that's coming to a 40-man roster that certainly could use it. And and as we've seen this season, um, you can never have enough of that starter depth. Anyway, uh, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. Uh, When I come back and record my next show, technically I'm recording one tonight that you'll hear on Thursday. But for those of you listening and watching who have already put that show in the rearview mirror, and this is technically Friday's show, this is my last uh, episode recording as a, a single man, so to speak. And uh, I'll be back with a ring on my finger um, in audio-only form to break down Mets Braves before uh, taking a little more of a lengthy break. But as always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. At Finkelstein Ryan, follow the show, Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. That's where you want to go to learn about everything going on in Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked On MLB wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.